And welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every uh, every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. I'm Zach. Hey, Adam. You know what yeah. we don't talk about enough on this show? What's that? Romance? Which characters do you think you kiss? <laughs> I think I've been pretty open about uh, how I, I love Colossus and Domino as a couple. Um, but as people who may remember... A few years back, I did write an article about um, the countdown to the best uh, relationships in Cyclops's life. And number one was Cyclops and Emma, which I still do stand. I have no recollection of you writing this article. <laughs> do you remember? I'm sure I read it. Do you remember that failed experiment that I did for a couple months where I tried to draw everybody that kissed each other in the X-Men? Yes. So... Then I did one of Cyclops and then I, I wrote it for AIPT and uh, got a lot of heat for that. Because <laughs> people, oh. people, uh, from the jot shippers, the jot shippers, you know, they, they're, they're, a, they're a force to be reckoned with. Um, I don't know what the uh, ship name is. Well, let's see. You got the schemas, mm-hmm. which are Scott and him. By the way, guys, it was cute when they did it for Benefer. <laughs> It has not been cute or clever or good since. And in fact, Jot and Schema may be two of the worst portmanteaus <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. And we cannot let people use those like they're regular words. Plus, they're irrelevant. I mean, at this point, they're all hooking up anyway. So, you know, that's and- the beauty. That is the beauty of Krakoa that they fixed it all. But like, OK, <laughs> you know, they're all having sex. And we know they're all having sex. And this mouse over here won't let us say it. <laughs> but we all know. Like, right. it's not. It's subtext in the same way that, like, sometimes an author doesn't explicitly write on the words. And then these two are in a relationship. Also, you just read the things and understand it. Right. So and and the other thing is that Benefer is back. You know what I mean? Like with a vent. Oh my gosh, Benefer so is back with a vent. I don't keep kind up of with celebrity news. I really don't. Yeah, that's okay. But before we are going to talk about Schema forever uh, this week, that's our theme. But um, you didn't answer your own question. Who do you stand? I don't ship Cyclops with Maddie because, frankly, I think they are in a bad bad relationship. With yeah, that's each a bad other. idea. Personally, I love Cyclops with. Uh, Boat Captain Lee Forrester. Oh, yeah. That's a I've great I've gone one. on record of saying that that's great, actually, <laughs> in rules. Yeah. Um, but in in more reality than that, I like Scott and Gene as a couple. I really think that Scott and Emma have a better dynamic as a couple, where Scott and Gene tend to be the couple that loves each other. Mm-hmm. Scott and Emma have tension, which yes. is more fun for me, the person trying to be entertained by these comic books. Mm-hmm. to enjoy it's why i don't want peter parker to be happily married i'm sorry i know there's people <laughs> mad about this i'm not reading comics to cuddle up next to my best friends and be like hi guys i'm glad everyone is okay i want that <laughs> nasty drama and i'm not saying marriages can't have drama but i'm also saying that i'm not sure the specific flavor of drama that you get in a marriage is necessarily the flavor of drama that spider-man needs or once. And we don't have to worry about that because we're not a Spider-Man podcast, but we are going to talk about Scott and Emma this week. Thanks to. Oh, that's uh, Connor Mulvaney. Uh, Connor's a Patreon supporter. Yeah. I uh, went on over to patreon.com slash comics XFD deep down into their hearts and pocketbooks, tossed a couple of coins into our coffers and said, folks, schema forever. <laughs> that's all the request was. It just said schema forever. Yeah. And that's Truly uh, a beautiful request. Like I'm telling you guys, <laughs> Gals, everyone, when you make a request with your $5, which you <laughs> folks, please bring do. in those requests, requests. We love them. When you bring in those requests, stupid sentences, 
are really hard for me and Adam because we then try, we try so hard. We overthink it sometimes, you know? We have one that's coming up uh, at some point in the future that is such a specific ask that me and Adam have gone through months of trying to figure out which one, <laughs> what to do, and we're stretching it to get We cracked there. that nut. We're okay. We cracked it earlier before this. Just like Grant Morrison cracked how to add some new dynamics into their uh, new X-Men run. In New X-Men Annual Number 1 from 2001, The Man from Room X. Uh, it's written by Gmo, whose book Luda I just picked up from the library because it was on a shelf and I saw it and I was like, I'm like halfway through the novel I'm already reading. This that's was on the, my list. That's the one about the drag queens? What's in that one? Um, I think Scotland's magical and then there's drag queens and one of them is definitely somewhat grant morrison and another one is definitely people that grant morrison has that have surpassed grant morrison or feel like they are rivals with them oh okay interesting it's a very interesting concept i almost at the same time just to really get into it picked up alan moore's new thing but it wasn't it was already on loan at that particular branch of the library so i'd have to get an mm. interlibrary loan it'd be a whole thing so i just that one's, to the list. that's short stories right it's that's short not... stories but there's also a 200 page scathing mini or extended short story about the comics industry that i do want to read <laughs> okay well uh this particular annual that we're starting off with today is from what 2001 2001 uh, it's right after it chronologically it is right after e is for extinction right and if you get the e is for extinction tpb uh, as i have sitting on my bookshelf this is included sandwiched in between uh this issue that it, the last issue of e is for extinction and the next issue of new uh, x-men which i think is 117 117 117 is the next one uh um, francis you does the art mm -hmm. on this yep uh jerry Angulian, uh, rest in peace, does the inks. Hi-Fi design is on those colors. You know what this, this one's about, Adam. Well, okay. So your boy is here. My yeah. boy. Your boy. I have they... so many boys. Let's be clear. <laughs> this is I... not the first appearance of my pink boy. Uh, uh, this is not a glob. It is not maggot. It is your uh, one of two. It's, it's, it's a set. Who's, oh, who's hiding out in a Chinese Zorn, uh, Zorn's camp. the man from room X. <laughs> That's right. Let's talk. Okay. Before we get to the Zorn of it all, let's yes. take the story on face value as it is presented to us in this comic. And then we can talk about how, while I like the Zorn Nido retcon, maybe could have been seated a little bit stronger. <laughs> oh, you mean how it doesn't make any damn sense. Um, I mean, I mean, how Grant, Grant did their best. <laughs> did they? Uh, I think they did. I think Grant tried really, really hard. So uh, for the theme of our episode, this is a notable uh, issue because this is the introduction of Emma Frost to the new X-Men team. And uh, she just kind of pops up. You know, Cyclops is like, why are you here? Aren't you our enemy? And Emma Frost is basically like, wait, no, no, no. Remember, I, I taught Gen X and I care about kids and I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm just joining the team, you know, and yeah, if you didn't like she, me, I was drunk. <laughs> she was she she's a prominent part of ES for Extinction, but she's not a member of the team uh, proper, really. So this is her first outing there. Right. It's interesting. She does say, listen, Scott. The 80s were a weird time. I did a lot of cocaine. I don't. I may have. I may have tried to psychosexually terrorize your wife. I'm sorry about that, I guess. But can we put that past us? We have to go solve the murder of Risque from X-Force. Everyone's favorite X-Force supporting character. Wild wild pick on uh grant's part there and grant already Orson is just throwing characters at the wall like <laughs> in a in a very foxes the x-men sort of way yes. yes and uh there is this great moment where they admit that no one has met risque no one knows who she is but they're gonna gosh darn it he, she was working with domino at, at x corporation headquarters in hong kong and they're gonna go you know, try and figure out what happened. Emma is already flirting with Scott, which I love. 
immediately. Here's the thing. <laughs> in this, I think I think Morrison's New X-Men gets this credit, but I don't think people understand how monumental a shift this was. This is three months, if that, after Marvel had left the comics code. And now this run is about sex. Right. This run is just about sex, like immediately. Yeah, Domino is in this issue, and immediately Wolverine and Domino are planning on hooking up after they do their ninja spy stuff in this issue. They're just casually hooking up, like not in... Not in the Storm and Yukio casually hooking up off panel way. They're very explicit. Like, yeah, then we go back and then we're like, yeah. <laughs> right. We are going right. to have sex after this, which I, I actually really like that beat for Wolverine and Domino. I think it fits both of their characters really well to just have like a casual sex relationship with one another. Yeah, I've never really quite bought into that, but I have to admire the way it's just kind of casually thrown out in this issue. <laughs> I think it fits. I think it fits both of them individually. I don't necessarily see Wolverine and Domino as a pair, in so no. much as they're both like, I want to have sex with somebody. And right you're down, right. and you're pretty good <laughs> at it. So. Yeah, we don't really. So, have, they, I, don't, I don't think they have a spark or real chemistry when they do it. But it's both. They're both at the baseline level of sophisticated and qualified to bone down, <laughs> and it works out for them. Um. We're also introduced uh, to John Sublime here uh, and his U-men, including the uh, the dorks who set themselves up inside like mech astronaut suits and don't want to breathe the foul air of the world anymore. The third let's species. Talk, let's talk about the U-men because the U-men may be the most fascinating thing that Morrison throws out that doesn't get picked up on. Like, I feel like the U-Men are too conceptual. Not not the idea of humans wanting to be mutants and harvesting them for their powers. Like, okay, that part makes sense. But how Morrison specifically frames Sublime is so much using, like, you know, Twitter's dying. We all know this. And he, he Morrison has Sublime use that same, like, social justice talk and perverting it into being about his human and being like, well, why can't, you know, if the, if the gays have their own parade, why can't we have a straight parade? Oh yeah. No, that's, it's, that's 100% his, his approach and his, uh, it's his a, pitch. It's a, it's a fascinating examination of this. And it's something that Charlie Dan Anders has picked up on. I was just going to say that in her new, her new mutant stuff right now that does bring back the human and sublime and is using it in a very similar way, because this is a Morrison book, so there, it's very gender. Yeah. Uh, it's very gender. And, you know, Charlie Jane Andrews is using that in an explicit way to talk about trans issues in a Marvel comic right now, which mm-hmm. is very fascinating. I'd like to see. It's cool to see just reading that first issue and then reading this annual pretty close to one another. The connective tissue is all there. It's very yeah. tight. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like Anders is, is vibing with this uh, pretty hard. Um, so we mentioned uh, that Domino and Wolverine have to do some some like spy ninja stuff, and uh, the spy ninja stuff they have to do is uh, <laughs> they have to jump in on an interesting creation here, <laughs> which is Aojun. Um, the Aojun, the- who's, who's dandruff makes golems. Yeah, what? <laughs> what a power. Why has why has Aljun not come back? Well, because he's uh, dead. Buddy, we're in the Kirkoan age. Oh, I know, but why would you bring this guy back? He definitely like Why wouldn't he, you? He That's wanted to go power. out. He, he wanted did. to go out. This is a this is a great power set. Aljun is being used by John Sublime. They're trying to get access into a secret Chinese government facility where there's been a man with a star for a brain chained up. Everyone in this comic talks about Cyclops and like almost everyone talks about him in almost a sexual way. Like Wolverine talks about Cyclops and is like, mm-hmm. yeah, listen, it's got to stick <laughs> up his butt, but I love him. Yeah. The best. You want that guy on your team. He's on my team. Wink, wink. <laughs> Emma, very horny for Scott. Just uh-huh. immediately. She's like, she gets it. And they're like, Emma, he just had a really traumatic time. No one wants to talk about the twelve. But they are talking about the 12, which I think is funny. Yeah. There's also um, 
there's also a, a human centipede kid in this, which is really disturbing. Um, who, God, I just feel bad for this, this poor child who just needs like his wings back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The human have them now. Yeah. It's rough. So there's some fun action beats here, including Domino Wolverine, just like taking a chance of jumping out a window and, Oh wait, there's a pool there. That's fun. Um, but of course, all of this leads to uh, the keys to Zorn being given to Cyclops. And Cyclops basically has to decide, are, are, what are we doing here? Like, if we let this guy go, are we risking like opening a black hole and sucking in our entire planet? Or should we invite him to go teach at our school? <laughs> and what Cyclops decides is the Cyclops movie says, listen, dude, and everyone's freaking out about this, except for Wolverine, who's like, no, Cyclops has got this. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I've had rough time. People treated me really bad because I was a mutant, which is fair. Cyclops uh, was viciously tortured by Mr. Sinister for a very long time. Cyclops just says, bud, you can, we, we have a different way. We're doing things differently now. So you can join the X-Men because we're not leaving mutants behind. We, we are, it is more than making a statement about the X-Men are going to be different mm-hmm. and there is going to be a rescue component to it. It's, it's not going to be, and you're going to join our paramilitary group. It's going to be, you're a mutant, and we take care of our own. Yeah. And that's right. a, that works for me a lot. So, so talk to me about how you think, because it's very explicit that when Emma reads Zorn's mind, she's getting the history of Zorn as a child through adolescence. Where... Where do you see the success in, in him seeding the Magneto? And, uh, into oh, absolutely this? zero. Absolutely zero. Oh, okay. I, I see. I see. I see. No. Su- Listen, <laughs> if you told me that Silver Age Magneto used his Chinese government contacts to fabricate this giant backstory and all of this history and all of these local legends, I would believe that story in 1965. It's 2001 and Grant is telling a more sophisticated story. So no, I don't actually think the Zorn stuff makes sense. We know that it was always intended. Mm-hmm. Execution, so-so. Yeah. Love the, love the design of Zorn. Love the yeah. idea that Zorn has a star in their head. It's great. <laughs> I really enjoy this issue. You know, it 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 is you kind of coming into his own uh, the style has definitely evolved. Um, it is a lot closer to the Lenino Francis U of today than yeah, like the U of right before this in yeah. like Eva Destruction, right? Like there's there's an evolution to the style which which looks fantastic. Um, you know, there's some there's just some really fun stuff happening in this issue. So I enjoy this quite a bit. Um, we should try and rank this on our big old. Well, list. there's there's one thing that I want to talk Ooh, about sorry. on this issue. No, you're fine. There's one thing I want to make sure we talk about about this issue, and that's the presentation. Oh, right. This, we didn't even mention that the sideways issue. This is a sideways issue. They put it on the side. They called it Marvel Scope. Uh, <laughs> where, so you know how you know how normally comics are folded and stapled hamburger style. They went <laughs> hot dog style on this one. Portrait and it landscape. would open up like that. Yes, but specifically in how the like staples went. Yes. Uh, and where the binding side is. Uh, they did this for Uncanny X-Men Annual 2001, Extreme X-Men Annual 2001, and New X-Men Annual 2001, as well as a series called Eden's Trail that I've never read. Uh, yeah, I was. I didn't know if they did this to, to anything else that year. No, they did it for those. And I think for a art standpoint, it works. I, I see the appeal. I like it. It's stuff like Frank Miller's 300 is done like this. It looks mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um. Here's the problem. Okay. How do you sell a comic book? You sell it on a shelf or a rack. Right, right. If it's sitting on like this, it's damaging the comic already on the rack and it's sitting weird and no one store owners. Tom Brevoort had this in a recent newsletter uh, and said, yeah, store owners hated it because it was a pain to stock. So we stopped doing it. Interesting. Simple as that. That's interesting. I, I still think it works, even though if when I pick I it, it up works. with my trade, I still have to turn the book sideways. Like, like uh, I gotta, yeah, it, it, it's it's a nice like 90s era style gimmick, you know, and I, I think it works really well with use art. So I think I think I think he's knocking it out of the ballpark here. Yeah, uh, we should we should rank this story, though, like you were sure. before someone so rudely 
interrupted you. Not at all. Not at all. Well, what is this list, Zach? Uh, it's a list of all the X-Men stories of all time, ranked from best to worst. We've been doing it for five years now uh, wow. because we love to make ourselves suffer, I think. Yeah. I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is the only place I ever want to talk about X-Men. I've made that explicitly clear. Yes. Number one on this list is House of X Powers of 10. Number 100 on this list is X-Men Alpha Flight. Number 200 on this list is New X-Men The Quest for Magic. Number 300 on this list is Deadpool The Circle Chase. Number 400 on our list is Nightcrawler uh, Volume 4, 1 through 4. That's that first Claremont arc of Nightcrawler. Number 500 on this list is X-Men 165. It's one of the Christmas issues. I don't remember which one. I think it's the one after Austin. Uh, Number 600 on this list is... Oh, that Ms. Marvel story from Marvel Superheroes that would have introduced the Hellfire Club but didn't. Oh, right. Uh, Number 700 on this list is X-Men 100th Anniversary Special. The X-Men have not even celebrated their 60th anniversary as of this recording. Uh, The bottom of this list is the Draco. Adam, I'm going to say something. Go for it. This is better than number 200. Uh, I'm going to say something else. I think it's better than X-Men Alpha Flight at 100. That's a bold spot. I don't think it's wrong, but I think that's a bold spot. Because, yeah, well, this is better. 102 is the Hickman run of New Mutants, which I think is a lot of fun. But I think that what Morrison is introducing here is bolder. Yes, I agree, actually. Like, 106 is everything is sinister. These are stories we like a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think this, this is, is stronger, you know? I, I mean, I, think I don't. I think, the, I think the high part of 100s is where we're, or the high double digits is where we should be. Cause like, I don't think this is better than the astonishing X-Men arc of AOA at 70. Yeah. I, um, or the righteous return of, you know, who at 72. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're in the right spot on the list, but I do think uh, at 76, we have the Morlocks mini series. I think this is better than that. You know, that Iron Fist issue is pretty good. <laughs> Iron, Iron Fist 15 is a pretty good issue of comics where yeah. Jean Grey does get potato. No, Storm gets potato salad thrown at her. Yeah. And I think right above that at 74 is Fantastic Four versus the X-Men, which I, I think that's probably better than this. And right above that is Wolverine Blood and Claws, a story that I remembered earlier this week and chuckled to myself. That's also better. So um, better. this is better than the Jeff Johns Morlocks, though. Yes. Uh, how do you, I'm going to let you decide on Iron Fist. Iron I, Fist, my gut feel is that the annuals probably had better technically executed comic, but I thought of the Iron Fist comic and wanted to immediately reread it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, they're neck and neck here. Um, I, I want to give the uh, the edge to the classic Claremont because that's just a that's a really fun issue. Great. Number 76 is New X-Men Annual 2001. The man from Rumex. Yeah. All right. Great. That's the best showing a comic has had in in a really long time on the show. It really is. We've yeah. been. I don't know if we've been doing the stinkers. No, uh, I. They haven't been. They just. You know. They. They, they haven't been uh, upper tier. Speaking of upper tier, in the upper tier of current X Men comics is of course Kieran Gillen's uh Immortal X Men oh, coming yeah. hot off the heels of Axe Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. We're gonna take this back a little bit to. AVX, not AEX, uh, and Uncanny X-Men at the time, still Kieran Gillen, Ron Garney on this one, it's Uncanny X-Men 18. It is a Phoenix 5 story, and by Phoenix 5, I mean Marvel Cinematic Universe star Namor has already flooded Wakanda, so he has lost his part of the Phoenix Force. Colossus and Ileana did technically bad things, but I think Colossus gave Wales some feet, and that was about it. Yeah, and they have also lost their powers. So the only remaining Phoenix-powered people are Skema, uh, Scott and Emma. And uh, we are sort of in between the the panels in some of this uh, from the AVX regular series. We're, but, in the, um, we're in the middle of issue nine of AVX. Yes. Like we're happening. Right, issue 11, someone's... issue 11. Because it, end, it ends on the same endpoint as issue 11. Right. Uh, so, you know. They're, they formed Utopia on Earth. Great. Um, Magneto, little little concerned. He, he's not super psyched about the direction that things are going in. Okay. I love the conversation that Scott has with Magneto. Because Magneto is like, boy, you're acting like I used to act. And Cyclops, echoing Marvel's marketing for the last like three years, or last year and a half or so, 
says, everyone keeps saying that I'm being just like you, Magneto. I'm nothing like you. I'm winning. <laughs> yeah, it's a slam. <laughs> it's a burn. <laughs> Scotty, my dude, my boy, my brother. Oh, you just dumped on him, buddy. Yeah. Um, I also like there's a whole centerpiece here with with Colossus and Ileana and Ileana trying to explain to Peter that he is kind of he always has this this precious idea of what his sister is and never really understands the torment and the suffering that she's gone through. And she's basically using this as an opportunity to be like, oh, you feel like crap. Guess what my life has been, you know, and it's it's a it's a weird moment, but I think it does work. Yeah, uh, it's it's really the Colossus and Ileana beats here work in the context of the story that had been told with Ileana since uh, her return mm-hmm. and the setup for that. I don't think it jives as much with the Ileana of today no. because Ileana's had a bit of a pivot as mm-hmm. she has become more of a main character. Cause you got to remember, this is the first book that she was a member of the X-Men. Like right. this is the one where that starts. So it's, interesting well and it's weird because before this is zeb wells new mutants so right you're still like not quite even sure what this character is and now of course point we've all shrugged it off (laughs) yeah she's 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 it's magic don't worry she's delightful she's great i love her she's a member of so many teams now uh if you play her before turn five uh she will turn the location to limbo which means that there is a turn seven Yes, this game, which is great. (laughs) Love this for her. But she does have the line that I have had stuck in my head since I read it, where she tells him, she says, oh, Peter, there are no snowflakes in hell. Yeah. Yeah. Causing him to turn into the juggernaut. Yeah, she does say, by the way, um, this is where Ileana maybe maybe made some mistakes and did some wrongs. She does say, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, Peter, to prove this point to you. I did trick you into becoming the juggernaut, which led to your breakup with Kitty, which uh, has generally ruined your life since. So (laughs) I did that. That one was me. Yep. That was a trick to prove a point. She sees it as a gift. Um, And then our last set piece uh, is a mental steak dinner um, between Scott and, and, and Emma on the astral plane. Um, as they battle it out with uh, the Avengers and the X-Men and Professor X and some interesting notes here, such as the au jus of the uh, on this particular steak is human blood. <laughs> the steak's also human meat. Uh, it's it, they're they're eating from the memory of a cannibal that uh, Ilya or that Emma used her Phoenix powered psychic abilities to uh, destroy his mind. Yeah, it's really, really creepy, though. And even Scott is kind of like put off by this, which is interesting. Everyone's put off by it. And there's a line because, you know, if you read AVX 11 and then this AVX 11, it looks like a very generic fight scene Mm -hmm. in this Cyclops and Emma are being very casual. And there's a line that Cyclops says is they have no idea how much bigger we are. Right. They have no idea what them having the Phoenix Force has done to them mentally. Like Scott and Emma are so much higher elevated than everybody else. Every other being here just cannot get on their level. And I think it works. I think this is what Gillen adds to AVX adds a lot of emotion and a lot of color to the Phoenix five side of this. And I really enjoy that. Um, Emma also reveals uh, that she thought about having an affair with Namor and um, doesn't go so well. Scott. Okay. So, okay. So Emma thought about having an affair with Namor. She didn't, but because Emma and Namor are both Phoenix powered, her thoughts were enough and his thoughts being Namor and just being a horny guy were enough that they did have a psychic affair. Like they describe it almost as like a uncontrollable thing. And part of it is obviously it was the Phoenix like driving this stuff, not their direct actions. 
Uh, that's enough to piss off Scott. Here's the thing, Scott. Mm, buddy. You did try and use the psychic affairs don't count argument once. <laughs> right. You you um you can't be mad that Emma's using the psychic affairs don't count argument. Um well it doesn't matter because uh whether it's out of his anger or out of his need to consolidate the power, this is the moment that Cyclops destroys Emma and sucks up the Phoenix Force for himself. He sucks it up for himself and then That's it's right. like, hey, what, he is ha- the what happens Phoenix. next? I am Phoenix. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, this so, is where Scott and Emma break up. They they are at this point not a couple and will not be a couple until Krakoa, where mm-hmm. again, no one's making a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. No one's saying anything. But Scott is in a relationship with Emma in some scenes, in a relationship with marriage with Jean and some others. And I don't think we can chalk that up to a continuity era. Error. So what could oh, no. it be? No, not at all. What could it be? Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm just asking these questions, Marvel. <laughs> Again, I want to be clear. Me asking these questions is not asking these questions of the creators who are doing their darndest. Is me asking the questions of a company that has, at best, been resistant to showing anything outside of standard husband-wife marital relations. I feel like we at least got some naked X-Men in a hot tub and Marauders. That was a step. It was. (laughs) I'd like to point out that I would like to point out that the first time we got that in Marauders, a time where it was an explicitly sexual situation, people had to have clothes drawn on them. Yeah. Yep. And in this issue of Marauders, where it was explicitly non-sexual, they were allowed to be naked. What does that mean? I don't know. Disney's got some weird ideas for their, uh, Standards of practices group. I'm just shaking my head here. Uh, I do love the way this Steve, issue Steve, you're ends. trying your best. Yeah. Oh, I do love the way this issue ends with uh, Scott literally drinking a, a champagne glass full of fire and saying, I am fire and life incarnate. And then it just cuts. It's a it great rules. ending. Ron Garney, this is, this is not my favorite Ron Garney work, but I think he does really good good stuff here it's a fine issue i agree i don't think that this is like ron's best work it it looks a little rushed i think the writing is much better than the artwork uh yeah so where where do you think we're going here because i i don't think this is nearly as as good as where we just were where do we have where do we have uh the sinister avx stuff that is um oh geez i feel like oh that is that is at 86 this is worse than that that's at 86 number 19 i don't know where it is but it's high on this list oh it's at 23 yeah the the issue that's right after this the passion of yeah sinister london is in the high hundreds this that's everything is sinister that's 107 Mm -hmm. uh everything sinister is better i don't think this is as good as either of those it's not but i mean like this is a pretty good it's a pretty good crossover. It is issue. a solid, solid issue. Um, I just, um, I, I think we're probably in the hundreds here, not the it's 200s. a it's a t- it's a tie-in issue that would that wouldn't exist if it wasn't a tie-in, and is worse because it's a tie-in issue. Yeah, yeah, it just feels a little incomplete. You know, it does. Fun fact, when I was reading this the first time, I had not read AVX, so this was my entire point of view oh, to the Avengers versus X-Men <laughs> experience. That's really like, what's funny. going on with Scott? I don't know. He's doing something. It's fine. Okay. Oh, Namor, Namor lots of powers? Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Um, 207 is Extraordinary X-Men 17, which is an IVX tie-in, mm-hmm. and I think is better. Uh, that's that great storm issue, yeah. That's that's like the that's that's the good good um, one. Yeah. Better or worse than the Power Pack 19 uh, Thanksgiving issue. At that Thanksgiving issue is better than this. Okay. So we're working our way down. This is better than X-Men, the manga one through four at 225. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's better than the Gold Balls issue of Uncanny Volume 335, which is at 224. Um, but I think Cable and X-Force's first arc is probably better than this. Let's put it between those, because I would almost argue that that Gold Balls issue is better, but I'm not going to argue that. That does have Valerio Skeety art. That's true. Uh, so this is going to be our new 223. 
223. Volume 2, number 18. Great show in Gillen. And Gillen's only got better at writing X-Men since then. Oh, man. Absolutely killing it. Now, our last arc is in the aftermath of the Schema breakup. And uh, this is Uncanny X-Men Volume 3, 1 to 4, by Mr. Bendis uh, and Chris Bachelow. Yeah, the thing is, Adam, we've got to join the revolution here. <laughs> we do. There's a revolution calling you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this here's the thing about this run. It's this is a weird way to open a run of comics, right? I had not revisited this in a while. Now, right? Loved, loved this book and all new as it was coming out. Right? I've got I mean, I've got a page of Chris Bachelot art from this run behind me. Yeah, right you've now. got the Fabio uh, Fabio Medina page with the balls, right? I have a. Actually, there are no balls on that page. It no. is Fabio. It's when it's from number eight when he goes back to visit his family. Oh, I love it. I love it's a it. good issue. It's a good yeah. issue. Good art. So so um, far we have seen this team on the pages of All New, but this is where we're finally going to follow Cyclops off to his school and see what's going down and um interesting so talky like it's so talky i i was jumping back into x-men when this came out so i i have a very very fond you know i think i jumped back probably a lot after schism and i was following it through and i was psyched about all this stuff like i just thought it was great and you know i love the artwork uh, i love these characters the team of uh you know tempest um uh, uh triage we we've got uh morph, morph. here um gold balls gold balls yeah. i love gold balls like I, I i legitimately just love these characters i love this lineup i love their costume redesigns the racer x cyclops um the white magneto this is where we get the um contemporary um magic look which that's this is where magic becomes a final fantasy character, which I truly believe is one of the reasons magic takes off. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great look. Also, I know people have their qualms with it. It's got incredible elements that you can see continue to hang out even in her new gold look, which I like. And I understand the story reasons for, and eventually she will go back to the black costume, but probably, probably um, just a, just a quick side note. Anybody who is drawing mag uh, magic these days, and her little like weird things that come out of the side of her head do need to go back to these issues and look at what it actually is because there's a headband that actually goes behind her ears and there's another piece to it that nobody draws anymore. <laughs> Even Chris Bachelor probably doesn't draw it anymore. He probably I like that. She just now has like four prongs. floaty, floaty yeah, prongs. Out of her head. So Emma looks- is, Emma is for the record, Wearing the Chris Bachelot costume. Yes. The you cut uh, Lady Mastermind outfit. There is there is a there is a phrase for it that uh, friend of the show, Connor Goldsmith, has come up with on Cerebro that does use words that I told Connor he couldn't use last time he was on the show. So he'll get mad at me if I say them here. But <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll skip that. Um, but yes, absolutely. It's a Bachelot top. There you go. Now you can mute that, that in Adam. Now you have now you have extra work in editing, Adam. <laughs> this is a a pretty bonkers couple of issues, though, because the whole first issue is basically Magneto and Maria Hill talking in a shield. Sta- oh, we also get Bald Magneto. So the thing about Bald Magneto, I kind of love it because for this whole first issue, it's supposed to psych you out and make you think that Charles Xavier is alive again. Right? You're like, Charles who's that Xavier. bald guy? Charles oh. Xavier. Is, oh no, it's Magneto. Yep. Yep. Magneto's very concerned about Cyclops. His powers aren't working. It's all going weird. They think Cyclops is doing a revolution thing. This is what I think is really smart about Uncanny X-Men and all new X-Men and like the Bendis era, at least in concept at the start. Mm-hmm. It poses that Cyclops is bad and wrong and doing something awful. And assumes that the like it plays very straight that the reader is going to follow along with that and agree with that because the heroes are saying it, so it must be true. But very clearly and very intentionally, Bendis is just having Cyclops do X-Men things. Right. And Magneto is very clear within like an issue 
that he's playing Maria Hill and it's that like, oh, everything he's saying yeah. to them is baloney. Yeah, it's no, great. I think, I think I think Cyclops are on the right front, but I know there's Sentinels around. And I've got to figure out who's sending the Sentinels, so I need Maria on my side. That's and right. And you couldn't know because uh, Avengers. I mean, you're like, fine, Magneto. Maybe <laughs> you do your own thing. But like this, this is where it starts because you even get like a crossover with all new X-Men mm-hmm. on the last issue here where they go to the school and bring people back and it starts with Warren. And you know that this is what Bendis is trying to do is like actually Cyclops, eh, you know what? I think Cyclops may, may be making some valid points because by the end or by issue 25, it's all of the kids from the past have joined up with Cyclops because they realize he's doing X-Men stuff. Right. And, uh, Beast is being told that he's the worst person in the world. So maybe, maybe we were misled. I actually, I think Bendis is pretty smart in the setup of this execution. Doesn't always go the right way. Uh, well, here's here's where it works, right? When we get where, these, where we get these flashbacks to like some really fun action stuff, like where they do where they rescue um, gold balls, they they fight the that rules. All great, you know. You get these amazing, uh, you know, those famous. Chris Bachelot Dutch angle pages where everything's askew. Um, Chris is going wild right? on these. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really fun to see him, him trying to, you know, do these new things with double page spreads um, where I think it, it gets a little more lackluster is where it does get talky in ways that don't really help the story. So for example, there is in between issues two and three, it's the Avengers show up. So they've gone back to, to Eva Bell's house and the Avengers are there because Magneto has tipped Maria Hill off. And anyway, so the Avengers have shown up and instead of like there being there, there's a lot of fun possibilities here. They just basically argue about whether to arrest Cyclops for like 20 pages. I kind of, I don't it, hate it really depend. It really depends how much you like Bendis dialogue. Right. There is a point in that fight where Bendis makes fun of Marvel now Hulk's stupid design with the armor. Yeah. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Why does the Hulk have armor? That doesn't make sense. It's so dumb. Why yeah. do you let them do that? Bendis is in his making fun of his fellow Marvel creators era. And I am for it. I, it's by no means like, terrible writing or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that because the character work here is fantastic. Eva Bell is uh, gets but, this little flashback. She's starstruck to see Captain America. However, it just, it, it feels a little slow and it also feels a little repetitious. If you know that Cyclops was already arrested for this crime and just broke out of prison. This is a character heavy story. These four issues. And it is very plot light. There is mm-hmm. very little plot within these four, within oh, this yeah. first arc. Not much happens. There is, it's hard to say that there's a beginning, middle, and end. There is definitely a beginning, and then there is definitely a middle. And then the next arc happens. <laughs> right, because immediately magic freaks out at the end of this uh, arc, and we go right into the Fraser, Fraser Irving stuff uh, with Dormammu. So, um you know, we're seeding all of the stuff about their powers being screwed up by the the, the Phoenix, um, even though that turns out later not to be true. And, you know, it, it sets a new kind of status quo for these characters and what they're going to be doing. I enjoy it quite a bit. I think it's really fun. And I there's a whole bit where they go. Uh, I think it's issue four when they end up at, at uh, the Jean Grey school and and Emma is just spending the majority of the time having this really, really great conversation with the the cuckoos um, and about how, okay, well, are you going to come with me? Like, I know I'm not your mom, but like, and they're starting to be a little bit more individual, like all of these things that are, are kind of fleshed out over the course of this series really do start right here. And, they, and they, they, he does a nice job. It is a really fun start. I like it. You're gonna you're gonna know it listen, if you if you can't stand Bendis dialogue, I understand. I disagree, but I understand. Maybe skip this one. There's a lot. There's a there's a lot of there's a big argument between Scott and Emma, which is why we collected it here, because they they have the postscript talk about their breakup here. It's fascinating reading what we you know, that moment because it gets a quick one panel flashback, this very savage 
uh, drawing of, of Cyclops, like attacking Emma. And you, you realize like, okay, well, there's a reason these characters really can't get over what happened. Like they have been traumatized and they were, you know, whether it was by their own doing or not, they've traumatized each other, but they still still, happened. yeah. Yeah. So you can't get over the fact that the, the act happened. Right. Yeah. So um, I, there is that great moment where uh, magic pops her head over. Magic is hilarious in this, by the way. Love. Okay. okay this, <laughs> this is but between the, uh, between the costume and the fact that magic becomes the breakout character by being really fun. Yeah. There's a reason why magic is just an X-Men, you know, now. Yeah, but she sticks her head out over after that argument is like, are you guys back together? And they're both like, no. And she's like, thank God. (laughs) She says, thank the Dark Lord. Thank thank you very much. Then what does she do later? She's like, let's 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 go to Avengers Mansion and like empty out the Uh, underwear drawers or something. Yeah, steal their underwear drawer. Uh, Magic is having fun in this because very importantly, Magic is the only one who with her powers being broken by the Phoenix force uh, didn't really break them in so much as she gets more powerful with the limbo stuff. Again, how this ties into dark beast and this is again, Bendis's execution later on in the series. There was a lot going on, Yeah, but in these four issues, it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. It's um, the Zorn thing. It's like, if you take it for what it is, <laughs> this is fun. I like it. Yeah. Hey, I, I still hold this in a lot of high regard. I think it's a lot of fun. I think if you are not a fan of, of Bendis talk, you know, and, and, and the, 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 the dialogue, you're not going to love this, but there's so much fun stuff here. Um, you know, in terms of the reinvention of these characters and, and where it goes from here. So we've basically gone through Schema's entire beginning and end uh <laughs> until the, now guys I the mean, middle is stuff that we've already talked about right 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 i mean like the middle is all of astonishing x-men all of new x-men and all of the fraction stuff yeah we did that already yeah and for you schema fans out there they're hooking up now so great you know what i mean like yeah folks make sure you clean out your schema and uh <laughs> it's such a bad name it's gross it really uh... is just I do not, I do not care for the phrase schema. Please come up with a better ship name or don't because yeah. I find the shipping part of fandom culture uh, intense in ways that I do not relate to fictional comic book characters. So at 205, we have the first three issues of Wolverine and the X-Men. And I like this better than that. I, yeah, this I, is better than that. Um, where, do we, where do we have that Dormammu story? Oh, that, oh. That's a great question. Um, oh, it's at 125. 125. I think the Dormammu issue is probably better because it tells a story or issues where this would, one this one doesn't necessarily tell a story. Yeah, it's tough because y- you know, and I know you do too. I love this art. I, I just think Adam, we're a podcast named Battle of the Atom, yeah. which is a Brian Michael Bendis story. <laughs> we don't have to justify that. We like that. Yeah. Um, so this we are worse than we, that, though. Yeah, I do think the second arc is stronger than that. Um, you know, one forty-two is exterminators. Exterminators is better. The original exterminators. The original exterminators. Uh, you know, I love the original exterminators. I, I, yeah. Okay. One forty-four okay. is the time that Captain America had Magneto show up during Acts of Vengeance, and Magneto threw Red Skull in a hole. One forty-four is better and kind of too low on this list. I do think it's tangentially this, an X-Men story. This I is it. better than at 150 cable number 22, the sad airport issue. This is better than most of the stories in Mary X-Men holiday special, but not better than the best stories in Mary X-Men holiday special, which I think means that it goes above it. Okay. But I think murder at the mansion from new X-Men is better. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Okay. So this is going to be our new 149. 149, it's The Revolution from Uncanny <laughs> X-Men Volume 3. And folks, we've done it. We've 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 got our schemas taken care of. Uh, we want to thank Connor. Connor Mulvaney went on over to Patreon, did all that stuff we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Uh, and we had a great time. So yeah. thank you so much. If you want to be like Connor, get in on this, folks. We've got so many stories yet to cover on our giant <laughs> list. 
our list that's too long. We didn't even say, but there were 711 stories to start wow. the night. We're at 714 now. We've been Every time we have a guest on now, they just are like, what, what are you doing over here? <laughs> What what we're doing is running out of X-Men stories. I can tell you what we're doing. It's great. Adam, what do you got to plug? Oh, gosh. You know, normally I plug my Twitter, but I'm not really using it right now. So um, because, you know, Twitter is imploding. It's it's weird right now. Um, So uh, if I would recommend anybody wants to follow, like hit me up on my Instagram. Uh, It's Instagram, Adam.rec. I also am trying a hive. Um, that's at Adam rec. So I like hive hive is fun. I don't know. I'm not convinced it works. Um, but (laughs) I'm not, but it, but here's the thing about hive not working. Hive not working means that I'm not constantly on hive. I'm like, okay, well I can be done now. Yeah, no, I, it gives me melted breaks because the two people running that website. (laughs) Yeah. I want hive to succeed. You know what I mean? Like we like are nice, all buzzing for high like homemade pie, you know, like anyway. Um, and what else is going on? Uh, I, I'm, I still covering Andor, Uh, so check that out on comics XF. We did that episode show's 10 still going on or, uh, it's almost over. The, the season finale will have aired by the time this episode comes out. So oh. I covered episode 11, um, covering episode 12 with Austin and, and, um, Armand. So triple a, uh, so check all that stuff out. And Zach, what do you got going on? What are we doing next week? I've got nothing going on. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to help me hit my annual sales numbers and buy a hmm. lot of industrial grade HVAC, uh, motors, I mean, like then you can find me on social media <laughs> and let me know, but you have to get your orders in before the end of the year so we can invoice them. I'm begging yeah. you still it's fourth quarter. Let's get it going. It's fourth quarter. It's crunch time, baby. I'm all about that hustle. <laughs> never stop, never stopping. That's my life motto. And do you know who else's life motto is never stop, never stopping? Uh... It's Abigail Brand. Respect her name. Respect <laughs> her name. We're talking about Sword next week. Nice. Talking about, talking about Sword and everyone's favorite. We're going to talk about why Beast can do war crimes and we're all mad at him. And Abigail Brand can do war crimes and we're like, you scamp. <laughs> Till then, folks, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!